As I started off with the introduction, obviously very busy year that we have ahead of us this year in terms of elections and some key economies actively participating in elections. I can imagine you've been a, uh, an observer of emerging markets for quite some time. Does this give you sleepless nights? <laughs> Um, not particularly. I mean, I think there's a very wide range of different uh, elections going on in 2024 um, in terms of probabilities of change, in terms of uh, ability to see uh, different uh, policy directions happening going forward. Um, I think that's why the South African election is so interesting, is that we actually think it's largely going to be status quo uh, afterwards, um, whereas there's a, a lot greater um, change that's been going on in some Latin American countries recently. Um, uh, opportunities for change elsewhere, including in places like uh, like Ghana uh, and uh, potentially Mozambique in particularly versus a couple of years ago, I think people were expecting more change in this election uh, that we expect in May from South Africa. Mm. Uh, maybe let's talk about that emerging markets uh, view. Uh, when we've had conversations about South Africa in the past, uh, it's often been described as, I guess, the dirty pair of socks that one can wear again. <laughs> uh, not too bad and not too great in terms of its performance, but still not fully optimizing its, its potential. Uh, what's your view and how are we seeing, I guess, the international investment community uh, viewing South Africa at the moment, given the many challenges that we have domestically? So South Africa still offers amazing yields uh, to investors. We have the long end um, of the yield curve uh, offering uh, 12% or so. People are uh, able to, I think, get very adequate, a sense of very adequate compensation for the risks that are out there. And this is why we've uh, we've seen a lot of international bond investors uh, remain uh, invested to a to a degree. No one is sort of going overweight, i.e. they're not putting in more than they need to. Uh, but no one's massively shorting South Africa um, as well. Uh, the situation on the equity side is a little bit more complicated because of the listings and other things that are happening around the market um, through the last couple of years. But basically there again, uh, you know, people are not massively shorting uh, the country either. I mean, I think this is, again, it's a sort of middling of the road uh, story. And it's not normally what you want to see through before an election. You often before an election want to see investors starting to pile in, um, starting to position their bets, you know, looking for change. Um, looking for faster growth after an election, looking for structural reforms uh, coming through. And, and obviously in terms of uh, Latin America, that's where some of the uh, more interesting story checks will be happening in the in the year ahead. Um, but no, I mean, if we see flows in South Africa basically roughly flat by foreigners pouring off the election, uh, I wouldn't say that's a particularly good sign. Mm, 100%. What I'm also keen to understand, though, is that if we do take a look at a nation like South Africa, as you say, not doing too badly in terms of the investment front, but domestically, the rhetoric and the sentiment does remain quite negative. And we've been calling for uh, shifts in policy for, for quite some time. And there does appear to be a, a laggard approach in, in this regard. Uh, how does this position us in terms of uh, emerging markets favorability for the year ahead? Um, and I guess even the, the investment appetite for businesses to continue coming into the country? So I think there's been a big communication challenge um, that governments, and in particular Operation Brunella, this um, division in the presidency that's really driving reform, uh, has had. Now, reform has been slow, it's been painful, uh, it's been detailed and often boring, right, uh, in terms of some of the things that are going on. Um, but what we've actually seen, I think, is people have been very, very late, in particular the analyst community in South Africa has been very, very late to pick up on the reforms that are happening. 
uh, with a lot of these very technical changes that are happening to the electricity side, uh, the sort of uh, pathway now forwards on logistics in particular, uh, some of the changes that are about to happen, we're waiting for to happen this week and be gazetted on, uh, on visas. Um, so a lot of stuff is, is in the pipeline. There's a huge raft of legislation, reform legislation in Parliament, some of which will pass for the election. Uh, but this hasn't caught the zeitgeist or the the, uh, the mood in South Africa. So I think I think people domestically are too negative uh, on on reform per se. Of course, there are many many other reasons to be negative in terms of unemployment, inequality, um, you know, uh, standards of education in many parts of the country. All these sorts of things, right? Um, and uh, you know, some of the reforms that are being undertaken now are going to take an awfully long time, ultimately to impact growth enough to you know, shift the dial on things like inequality and unemployment. But I, for me, the, the narrative still has been a little bit too negative, uh, particularly on this uh, on the reforms specifically. Mm, got you. As we take a look, though, uh, uh, with regard to the ripple effects that we might see from some of our other peers across the globe who participate in elections, primarily the U.S., will that have any factor or influence on our uh, international appeal? So there's clearly a lot of reasons why the U.S. is important now for South Africa in a way that it wasn't in previous election cycles. Uh, you know, Goa is front and center, both the Goa in and of itself. There is a big review of the Goa legislation uh, that is ongoing, um, but also in terms of South Africa's position, obviously, in the Goa. And the uh, consensus that uh, Trump administration would likely push forward is for a much faster review of South Africa's position uh, fundamentally within a Goa as a middle-income country, um, uh, in particular, obviously, to car exports and some agricultural exports uh, that are sent to the, the U.S. And our view, basically, is under a Trump administration, uh, a Goa exit would happen much, much quicker uh, than under the continuation of a Democrat uh, administration, where it would still happen. It might just take a little bit longer. Um, so there's, there's that. And then, obviously, there's the uh, Israel-Palestine issue as well in the ICG, ICJ court case. Uh, happening tomorrow, of course, uh, again under a Democrat um, administration continuing after the election. Uh, we don't think this court case will have a dramatic impact on the relationship. Um, there's a slight tightening of the screws, but under a Trump administration, there's a lot higher risk uh, that this will create a backlash from the U.S. In particular, if you know after this court case, well, after the initial part of the court case, if uh, we get South Africa pushing strongly on a ban of uh, arms exports to the uh, to Israel, which would particularly obviously affect the U.S. Uh, South Africa could set itself up for quite a conflict um, with uh, with the U.S. again, which would play out particularly or more harshly under a, under a Trump administration, uh, we think. So there's a lot more riding on this U.S. election than really ever before, uh, obviously after that brigadier moment um, at the end of May uh, last year. Mm. Uh, to close off with, though, Peter, I'm well aware that you're not a political economist or political uh, analyst or commentator, but I can imagine that you get this question quite a lot from many of your clients or, or those that you engage with. How do you see the elections in South Africa unfolding from your perspective? Hey, well, we're doing an awful lot of work on the election. Yeah, we have a, a lot of expertise um, we, we, on elections in-house. Um, we, yeah, we have some very firm views. And as I said before, I think people are maybe uh, slightly overplaying some of the uncertainty around the election. Uh, for instance, we think people are massively overplaying the probabilities of an EFF coalition with the ANC. We don't think that will happen. Uh, we think people overplay how easy uh, a DANC coalition would be. Uh, we think it would be much harder uh, than and people think it would be. People sort of, I think, assume it was just the adults in the room that would stand up and it would sort of all be fine. Uh, and then we also think... Um, you know, that ultimately we're going to get an ANC smaller party coalition at national level, 
um, with a few small parties, potentially the IFP. But really, we're watching KZN and Haoteng, obviously two key areas for investments and that foreign investors look at, uh, where we see obviously a lot more drama in coalitions where the ANC might be down at 40% in KZN uh, and 35% odd in, in Haoteng. So a lot to watch for. And I think the new thing this time around for investors is looking at these sub-national elections, these provincial elections as well, which were never quite as important uh, in the past. Good to hear. Peter, always a pleasure speaking to you. I uh, am certain that this will not be our last conversation this year. There'll be lots to unpack in the upcoming months, but truly appreciative of your time this evening. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.